0: ladies and gentlemen, this is Charlie Tate. Guess what? This is my 100th podcast episode. I feel like Bilbo Baggins, where he goes, this is my 111th birthday (laughs) from Lord of the Rings. Do you guys remember that? What a brilliant delivery, that speech. Ian Holmes, right? such a wonderful job in that role. So well cast, Lord of the Rings. I think I'm going to talk about Lord of the Rings. I I actually did a, I, I started to record an episode months ago that was all about my obsession with Lord of the Rings. And then for some reason, I just wasn't happy with where it was going and I stopped and I never picked it back up. Shame on me. But anyway, this is my 100th episode. We are into the triple digits now. I cannot believe it. Absolutely amazing. In less than a year, I've done a hundred of these. And you know what? This has been a blast. And you know what? Today, it's very special. I wanted to do something cool with my 100th episode. How does one celebrate that? And I thought it'd be cool to do a video podcast. Well, newsflash, I cannot do that. The platform I use to host these unfortunately doesn't have that option. Either that or I'm completely missing it. Although I dig into everything. I'm not a stranger to digital buttons. I love buttons. I'm not afraid to dig into the depths of any platform or website. The footer, everything. I look at everything. So unless I just flat out missed it, there is no option to do a video podcast. And then I thought it'd be due to I what th- blah 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 blah. I'm so excited I cannot talk. I thought it would be awesome to do a live podcast. I can't even do that. Sadness. So, yes, I am reduced to simply recording the typical thing and offering it to you guys, but this is my 100th episode. What do I do? The great thing is, another week has flown by. Why does that happen around the holidays? Another week has flown by. And I literally, you guys, I have three, three podcast episodes ready to go. Three queen deep dives right now. And I thought, you know what? Double episode, baby. Double episode. Today, I want to talk about not one great queen song, but two. And the worst part is, it's not going to be the last two songs on News of the World. We're really close, but we're not quite there. It didn't work out that way, unfortunately. However, the two songs I'm going to talk about today are, they could not be further from each other, stylistically, genre-wise. We're talking about songs that were composed by two different guys in the band. We're talking about songs that ordinarily would never fit on the same album, let alone back-to-back, let alone from the same band, really. But as we've come to see from not just Queen's News of the World, but their catalog in general is it's vast, it's diverse, it's dynamic. It kind of goes everywhere. The guys never wanted to be constricted to a style or a vibe. I was listening to or reading an interview from their earlier days I think it was last week, and they talked about how progressive rock, at the time that they were labeled progressive rock, in kind of the mid-70s there, that was a label that was tacked on to just about any band that was up and coming. Now, I would say that, yes, Queen, in, very, in various forms in a lot of different instances, in their earlier albums does sound like very progressive rock but again is that because that was the label that was given or is this in hindsight i don't really know that's a bigger discussion anyway the guys are diverse they don't pigeonhole themselves in fact every single one of them even though there is a little bit of a style that we expect from each of the boys they like to dip their toes in different in different style pools it's like beck you know he, he beck is very based in folk but he's also very alternative. You know, queens like that, they, they are rock, but they're kind of a little this, a little that. And we've had so much on News of the World. We've had funk, we've had disco, we've had rock, we've had psychedelic. You know, it, it, they've, they've been everywhere and back again. There and back again, just like Bilbo Baggins. Okay, I'm gonna stop. This is a queen deep dive day and if you haven't already guessed, this episode is gonna be long. I wouldn't be surprised if we approach the hour mark. When I first started doing my podcast, I kind of hoped every episode would be that long, but in a way, I'm glad they tend to be somewhere around 20, 25-minute mark because they're a little bit easier to digest, but if you want to listen to the second deep dive I'm gonna do today, I will be sure to note where that is, and I will put the timestamp in there. In the description. So if you want to skip to the second queen deep dive today, it will be very easy to do so. But today, it's queen, queen, queen. And we are closing out news of the world almost. Maybe I should just do 3. No, 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 no. It's two is enough. <laughs> two is enough today. We are talking about tracks on side two of Queen's sixth album, News of the World. Of course, we're right smack in 1977. And today, this is John Deacon's second contribution to the album, Mr. Disco Deaky, bassist of Queen. And quite a brilliant one, if I might add. This is his wonderful number, our 65th Queen deep dive, Who Needs You? You know, straight up, Freddie's vocals here are some of the most lyrical, smooth things we're ever gonna hear from him. i will talk about that some more as we get into this. And the reason why the style is so distinctive with even the vocal delivery is because John is giving us something here that we're never gonna get again. This is Latin-infused pop rock. This is so relaxed. This is grab your cocktail on the beach of Mexico, and just kick it. Lean back, who needs you? Who needs you? Who needs it, right? That's what we're doing in this song. I love this song. This is totally not Queen, and I mean that in the best way. What I mean is, you cannot believe this is Queen. You can't, and it's brilliant. We are at 121 beats per minute, so relaxed, So in the vibe, perfect tempo for singing along, cruising along, four, four time signature, A major and E major keys, quite simple in structure here. Just a quick little key change. This song, a sweet, cheeky kiss off to a complacent, unkind, uninspired lover. That is where we're at with Who Needs You. I love this song. All light and breezy and airy, John brings us that Latin flavor with tons of layered guitars, bright percussion in Who Needs You. Acoustics, electrics, and lots of them make this song such an easy listen and a super enjoyable one. It's quite daring. Not a whole lot of rock bands would go here into really not quite rock Latin flair. Even Freddie's vocals, again, soft, restrained, tender, jazzy, so smooth. The riffs he gives us, the melisma, it's great. Incredibly controlled, very impressive in tone and delivery. So Freddie's more aggressive vocals, while they're awesome, They don't have the same roundness they do here, and it's totally refreshing. Roger delicately impresses too with soft rim shots, lightweight toms. Brian provides somewhat muted electric guitar, and it's likely he's playing the acoustic solo. It's lyrical, it's expressive. But John, on both acoustic guitars, shines here, not just because it's his number, but because, as always, he provides... Those life dancing moving bass lines that are so consistent. And his acoustic guitar is a wonderful contrast against Brian's style. The arrangement of this is packed with many themes, a subtle change in key that creates more color. Surprising shifts in chords create an atmosphere that's comforting, but it's still energetic. So different to get this from the guys. But then, especially on news of the world, we'd expect nothing less. This is such a great number. I I can't think of a lot of Queen songs that I can just put them on and listen to them super chill. And they don't... They don't overwhelm, I shouldn't use the word overwhelm because that's, that's not, if Queen ever overwhelms, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. But what I mean is a lot of their songs, a lot of parts in their songs really grab your attention. And this one is just smooth enough, just round enough, just relaxed enough to be this pleasant thing that you can listen to effortlessly. I love that about this song. I'm gonna take a sip of coffee. Hmm. You guys, I'm still loving my Beanbox coffee. I'm going to have to order more. I'm hooked on Beanbox coffee. So some really cool stuff about who needs you. We never heard this live. But hey, there's an acoustic mix of this. And it's a treat that I just heard that was released with the 40th anniversary unveiled alternate recordings. Dang, you guys This acoustic mix is great. It's a true demo cut with the guys chatting back and forth in the studio and Freddie, and there's this part where he literally sings. (laughs) And there's bass here. So like real bass, not just the low frequencies from the acoustics that we have on the finished album track. If this was a completely live go at this with all the guys, it would have to be Freddie on vocals, John on bass, Brian on acoustic, and Roger on maracas? Although those acoustics sound layered, so maybe this sort of demo cut includes multiple takes, and given John counting in at the beginning and bringing a little intro riff in right after, that must be John on the acoustic. So cool to imagine them doing this together. Sadness, though, you know what? there's pitch correction here on this recording, this acoustic take. There is, trust me. And all I can ask is why? But the best part, the end. We hear John. How was that? And then Freddie. Oh, it's lovely. John and Freddie. It's so precious. Those little interactions. It makes me go there. I start to imagine other things. Well, what was it like when there was tension? Who said what? We've heard some of that. If you guys have dug into anything on YouTube, like I have, you've heard some of those little (laughs) spats that the guys had, especially when it comes to volume or tempo. There's this wonderful one of Brian trying to slow it down. <laughs> Roger, it doesn't need slowing down. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's brilliant. You got to go listen to it. Just look up Queen studio outtakes or something like that. You'll find it. It's it's so cute, honestly. It's is it horrible for me to say that that it's cute? I mean, if I witnessed this right now, I'd probably just think they were like these cute cuddly things even if they were all super aggressive and nasty with each other. But that's my sentiment. I love the boys. Anyway, great moments in the studio and to have this acoustic demo version when we never had a live performance of this. It's so precious. Some fun facts about who needs you. Maracas by Brian, if you can believe it. Cowbell by Freddie. Cool. The guys just picked up percussion instruments and said, let's do this. John plays the acoustic, Spanish-style guitar, using the finger-picking mode he did quite often during this time period. And this is yet another number with only one man providing all the vocals. And of course, it's Freddie in this case. And it's a nod to this album's very sparse, minimal approach. But for all its minimalism... This song has some interesting similarities to other John compositions. We have the finger-picking guitars, as in Spread Your Wings. There's a chord progression we'll hear again later in I Want to Break Free. Vocal sections repeated only twice or not at all. This is a big John thing. And last but not least the melodic motif in the outro is nearly identical with the title motif of You and I from the previous album, A Day of the Races, 1976. And it's actually a public domain motif, as in build me up buttercup. If you can believe it, go and listen to it. I'm not lying. Have some comments here from the guys about Who Needs You. From Brian and Freddie's 1978 Circus interview, Brian said, quote, John plays acoustic guitar on one of his as well, which is Who Needs You. Brian goes on, I played maracas on it. While we may not do it that way on stage in the studio, that makes more sense, unquote. And I want to point out, that in this same interview, Freddie talked about John's business dealings with Queen. You guys remember when this album started in this period, Queen started to manage themselves that much more. They shifted away from John Reed Enterprises and they had some new team members come on board and they themselves started to do more within the band on the business side. So Freddie said about John, quote, John keeps a very close eye on our business affairs. He knows everything that's going on and shouldn't be going on. If God forsakes us now, the rest of the group won't do anything unless John says it's all right. That is so sweet and trusting and solid. I mean, you really have to trust someone to say, okay, John are we doing this? Is this right? What do you think? Financially, does this make sense? Is the scheduling right? Et cetera, et cetera. I don't know the specifics. I'm sure John had, there were instances, portions of things that he focused on more than others. But for Freddie to say something like that, that is a big deal. That is a huge deal. That's a huge responsibility to take on. I love it. I absolutely love it. Guys, nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about Who Needs You. Just the other day, I saw on the Queen sub, someone posed the question to the sub, what are some Queen songs you wish were bigger hits or recognized more? And Who Needs You was mentioned by more than one person. So at least I'm not the only one that thinks that this needs more love. Because man, I love this. I'm on that beach in Mexico, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny how bright and bubbly it is, too, because reading the lyrics, it reads like an angry breakup track, but it feels so much different, like the narrator has gone beyond the pain and, and is entirely indifferent, happily so, like they themselves are on the beach and entirely disconnected, done with it, over it, who needs you? It's it's a great vibe. It's a great kickback. Who needs you? From start to finish, it's just so good. Acoustic, that riff. Ooh, little Spanish twang with that flourish. I'm guessing, well, I used to think this was Brian on that lead in, but you know what? After hearing the acoustic version, that might actually be John. Somebody tell me. Then Roger, ooh, carabic flair in that riff on those toms. He perfectly creates the mood. Between that guitar and the drums, we are in it. And note, as I briefly alluded to earlier, no bass guitar. The weight is entirely created with these many-layered acoustics. At least one on each side, some ambience provided by one in the middle. And interestingly— Freddie's lead vocal is panned to the right, which is a nod to earlier recordings and a rare occurrence for a Queen recording. We don't get that kind of stereo balance from a lot of Queen songs like this. And Freddie sounds so incredibly lovely, soft, gentle, almost. (laughs) Freddie isn't often really legit gentle, but here he's relaxed get down, make love, feels like a distant memory now. (laughs) I cannot get enough of these guitars and Roger's playful percussion through this verse. Pleasant, light, breezy, still feeling like I'm on that beach, but it's very complex in arrangement with very surprising lyrical chord changes. It's long too, which enhances the chill factor somehow, the verse, very unpredictable on first listen, but entirely familiar and fun once you know it. These chord progressions, B minor 7th, E 7th, to C sharp minor 7th, F sharp 7th, back to B minor 7th, E 7, and then finally to A. That conclusion of the verse going into the title, very dreamy with all those sevenths. And the guys, perhaps John, really, they know where to put those subtle accents to increase the emotion. Knowing it's Brian shaking those maracas and Freddie on those cowbell accents, absolutely love it. It's like the guys went in and picked up whatever to jam on this. And I love the lyrics Freddie serenades us with. I make it half past six, you come at seven. Always trying to keep me hanging around. And another, I love. I'm a fool for I believed your lies. But now I've seen through your disguise. His use of melisma, where he just goes up and down the scale like that without a breath, is stunning. And compared to earlier songs, you can hear how far his ability to control that has come. Because remember, Freddie is basically self-taught as a vocalist. He came into the band with very little, if any, real vocal training, and he wasn't as good at controlling that instrument. But here, you can hear the intention and that control and the breaths and the style in his delivery, all those inflections that are so Freddie are in full realization here. Brian gives us a little more acoustic flair again on his brief but magical solo. In the next phrase, electric guitar, phased and maybe flangered, appears to provide more warmth and depth, but it's never overwhelming. More of a support system at this point. The maracas kick it up a notch, double-timed, and we get Freddie's rich layers of backing vocals. The ooh and the echoed harmonies against the melodies. But Freddie's delivery of this, this lyric right here. Reaching out, reaching out for a helping hand. Gosh, it's beautiful. And again, never harsh or aggressive. This is that sweetness, that soft goodbye with so much cheek and sass. Brian, hello, his extended solo here is gorgeous. Almost like a harp. In some moments, it glitters and glides all over the place. Accidentals, sevenths, love me some sevenths in the scale. It's fabulous. Freddie gives us a playful, oh, muchachos, and ad libs, some other vocalizations. That conclusion, again, he goes into that wonderful falsetto. Well, I don't need you. Effortless. In the final phrase, the guys give us some variation on the earlier verse melodies, giving us touches and shifts that keep us grounded in the tune we've come to know but change it up to keep it interesting. These lyrics here, so naive you took me for a ride, but now I'm the one to decide who needs you. And in the outro, earlier motifs appear with subtle variations from Mata, or that lingering on the tonic and a playful maraca shake takes us out. It really is the perfectly constructed little tune, a far cry from things like Liar or well-known tracks like Bow Rap or even this album's earlier hits. But this is John, after all. And this is even different than his Spread Your Wings, which is such a wonderful song. And again, as I said in that dive, That might be my favorite John composition, Spread Your Wings. It appears earlier on this album, but here we are with something so different than that song, and it comes from the same man. So this is what I meant when I said, we veer into so many different musical territories with Queen, and it makes for such an enjoyable listen. I feel like this album as a whole, News of the World, has... It's interesting, it has that vibe that the songs are all so contrasted, but there's that that iron thread of edge and angst that runs through this. And I would even say this song, as relaxed as it is and as soft as Freddie's vocal lead is, this still has that chip on its shoulder. We talked about that, how news of the world is angsty, it's edgy, it's rough and tumble, and it's kind of like, whatever, I'm angry, and I've got something to say about it. And this song perfectly echoes that attitude. I love it. That is Who Needs You. And I'm so excited that we're just getting started with this. Really, guys, we're going to go right into the next one. Woohoo! Let's do this. Let's get this party started. We're right in the middle of the party. I'm going to take another sip of coffee. Mmm. So good. All right, guys, guess what? It's late. No, no. It's not really late. That is our next Queen Deep Dive. We're heading right into the second to last song on News of the World. I am half tempted to do the last one too, you guys. No. Nah, no. Nah, I won't. I'll save I'll save the best for last for its own deal. It's a quite short song too, but as it closes out news, we'll, we'll keep it in its own dive. We'll stick to my plan of just two dives today. Back to back, this is dive number 66. Track number 10 on Queen's News of the World. And this is one of my favorites from guitarist Brian May. It's late. It's interesting. This song, and I'll get into the details. You guys know me. The lyrics divide some people. There's a little bit of tension here, which is not uncommon when Brian goes into relationship territory. This is all rock. A little bit bluesy, yes, but still very much chained in rock we are here on It's Late. And this was a single released in the US only, on April 25th of 1978, and it charted at number 74. Super sadness. I wish this had done better. I think there's a reason why it didn't. I don't know. It's just a thought, and we'll talk about that as we get into this because it has to do with the length of the song, the original cut, and the single version. We're going to talk about that. Just hold on. We're at two different tempos here, 94, and 182 beats per minute. And that's because there is a breakdown of sorts in this song. It's one of my favorite features of It's Late. We're in the time signature of 4-4 four, four, and two keys, A major and E mixolydian. You guys remember mixolydian? It is the seventh note flatted in this major scale. So, you know, there's eight notes in a scale, seven if you don't count the tonic twice or the root note twice, anyway. Mixolydian is when you take the second to top note and flat it by a half step. It creates a very square, strong, very common sound in the world of rock music. And here we have that with E. Mixolydian. So let's talk about the topic of this song. I was touching on that a little bit here a few minutes ago. This is a three-part story of love and loss. It's actually written that way in the liner notes. It's sort of in movements, if you will. And really, someone else wrote it best on songmeanings.com. When I was researching this, I found a great description of this song, I thought, on songmeanings.com. This user wrote, this song is all guilt pangs about having another one night stand or a lifetime of them, if you will. Yes, this is a three part story of Love and Loss. And Brian gives us more details about it straight from the composer. So I'll let him speak that for us as we get to the quotes from the guys. But let's talk more about It's Late. And you guys, there's a lot to cover here. Not just about the song itself, but performances of this song. There's a lot to talk about. There's gonna be more substance here than there was with Who Needs You? So stick with me. We couldn't be farther from that Latin-infused kickback track. This is all rock, full-on rock, with a double-timed, and then some, breakdown. It's Late is a loud, passionate, edgy Brian May contribution. Freddie's vocal grit and his drive are back in full force, and we finally have another number with vocal harmonies provided by Brian and Roger, as well as Freddie. We've Abandon that for a little bit on this album because of the sparse approach, right? The guys, more often than not, I think on this album, you have a lot less vocalizations going on and we miss that. I miss that. I miss that a lot here. I love News of the World, but I miss the warmth and the wall-to-wall sounds that make Queen Queen when it comes to the vocals. But we get that more here. It's a welcome return. This is the last major rock epic we'll get from the guys for a while, too. It's almost like they knew this, given the enthusiasm here. Without Freddie's piano playing, this instantly feels more rock and roll. And despite its length at more than six minutes, it feels more basic. But basic is not It's not bad, especially when it's Queen's basic. And in fact, when the guys give us that furious breakdown, it's luscious, it's tasty and fun and rowdy and raucous and all of that jazz. John's bass, while still consistently awesome and expressive, is once again heavier with glissandos and edge. Brian's guitar Of course, is on full fiery display with many a solo riff and run. Roger? Oh, that man. This is one of those songs where his drums aren't just arranged impeccably and amazingly. They sound incredible, another testament to the guy's great production skills, especially the tightness of the percussion and the bass. John and Roger together, driving that beat and the lower frequencies with the bass, a force to be reckoned with together. All of it is wrapped up among Freddie's loud and intense lead vocal with the boys all providing lyrical choral harmonies. Full of attitude and angst and pleading explanations, it's late feels and sounds like a bit of a queen throwback and it's great because of it. This song was performed 119 times from 77 through 79. And just like Spread Your Wings, John's number, this completely disappeared after 79. And honestly, I think that is a shame. Yes, Freddie, he struggled singing this live. And by all accounts, he hated it because of the song's wide range. It's extremely high, especially in the chorus. He often dropped into lower harmonies during that chorus. So in all fairness, this is certainly a high range for any of the guys to sing in full chest voice. But instrumentally, this was always a treat. I'm not the only person who thinks they should have kept this on their tours for just a bit longer. The heaviness of this, like liar or tie your mother down, tie your mother down. On stage live, this just goes crazy. Brian, especially, his guitar, wow. Pretty distorted, hard, and almost overly aggressive. A great comment from someone on this song live. I read this comment. This song beats the sh out of songs from 80s albums. (laughs) I, I saw that comment and I thought it was fantastic. This was also one of several tracks recorded for another live BBC session. Brian changes up our intro in this version. Freddie sounds fantastic in this too. Struggles a bit with the highest notes, but hey, they're high, very high. The guys all sound great, but we're not surprised. I love Roger's drumming. Hear that live in the studio sound. Those extra riffs and the slams on the drums and the cymbals. And then suddenly. That dropout, like the get-down-make-love psychedelic craziness. Freddie on that vocalizer, echoing with himself, the manipulation of that sound. It's fabulous, if not a little strange during this song, if I'm being honest. I'm guessing this is a little allusion to the references of sensuality in the lyrics of this song. It's an interesting inclusion, but it does seem forced or something. It seems a little bit out of place, thankfully they close the song with that furious breakdown. Now, the U.S. single version, and this is where I think the misstep was, it was an edit of the six-plus-minute original, nearly cut in half. It omits the second verse and the second chorus. It dives straight into the bridge, skips the first frantic breakdown into the third verse and the final chorus into the breakdown outro. It feels terribly abbreviated and broken once you're familiar with the whole song. But I suppose they were concerned about its appeal on the radio, right? Because when you played a song on the radio, and there are exceptions to this, Bohemian Rhapsody is a big one. Generally speaking, three minutes, four minutes, that's where you want to be. And back then, the further back you go, the shorter the songs were on the radio. That's just how they were made. A lot of it had to do with how much you could put on a a record back then too. But the guys had done bow rap. I don't understand why they didn't leave this in its entirety. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, Maybe radio stations, the public would have despised it if it was six plus minutes. I feel like you lose a lot when you break it down the way it was done, but that's just me. Bonus, you guys. There's also the alternative version from the tracks that were unveiled during the album's 40th anniversary. It's not too terribly different from the album version, just a bit less polished, a few changes in the lyrics. Freddie sings in a lower register during the bridge. Brian's guitar is the biggest difference. There's also piano, very little Richard-like in the breakdown. I really enjoy Freddie's improvs in the outro on that alternative version. And the intro is that much longer as well. So just a few interesting differences of note there between the alternative or perhaps the earlier demo version compared to what we ultimately hear on the album. Fun facts about It's Late. There is footage of Brian, Roger, and Freddie singing backing vocals for this song's chorus. And I think this may have been part of the whole BBC thing. (laughs) The best part about it, Roger, his face. (laughs) There's a moment where they pull back from the mic together and he grimaces and it's, it's fantastic. I love Roger and his expressions. Brian uses a technique called tapping in his guitar playing on It's Late. This is a guitar playing technique where a string is fretted to vibrate as part of a single tapping motion on the fretboard with either hand. Van Halen is credited as creating this technique, but this song appeared even before Van Halen dropped his first album, his debut. Brian himself called this gimmicky and initially thought he might build more upon that technique. And he speaks to this and where he discovered it in an interview, and we're going to talk about that now, in 1982, with On The Record, Brian talked lots of songs, including this one, It's Late. And he was asked, do you tap on the fingerboard with your right hand in It's Late? And this was his response. And I paraphrased this because it was quite lengthy. I love Brian. He always goes into detail. Here are the specifics you need to know. Quote, yes, that was actually hammering on the fingerboard with both hands. I stole it from a guy who said he stole it from Billy Gibbons and ZZ Top. And this was somebody performing in Texas, I believe. Back to Brian's quote. I was so intrigued by it. I went home and played around with it for ages and put it on It's Late. It was a problem to do on stage. I found it was a bit too stiff. If I persevered with it, it would probably become second nature, but it wasn't an alleyway which led very far to my way of thinking, unquote. Now, regarding the lyrical story of the song, Brian has said, quote, it's another one of those story of your life songs. I guess it was very personal. It's written in three parts. It's like the first part of the story is at home. The guy is with his woman. The second part is in a room somewhere. The guy is with some other woman that he loves and can't help loving. The last part is he's back with his woman, unquote. So Brian is acknowledging, totally straightforward, that this is very personal. And yes, this is about being with more than one person. And I think this is where some of the tension comes in. Some people go, oh my gosh, you know, People get very judgmental about this song. Now me, hey, I'm kind of the live let live kind of person. I have my morals, I have my beliefs. I have things that I would or would not do. But when it comes to the creative elements of things like songs, art, et cetera, I look at the whole, and this hole is so good. You guys, I love it's late. I love it. I love the breakdown. I love the length. I love the storytelling. I love Freddie's lyrics. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. I love Freddie's vocals. And this is very well written. Say what you will about the content. This is very well written. Rock at its best. I love the percussion. It's late is so good. But I have some how dare they quotes from the press as well as some praise. Washington Post, in their review for News of the World as a whole, really went after this song, writing, quote, It's late. A plaintive rock song in typical Queen style about a failed relationship is less successful than We Will Rock You, though it is still likable. It is flawed by the instrumental break and high-powered instrumental ending, both of which go off on a drum and guitar bonanza, interrupting the otherwise neat structure and undercutting the melodic poignancy. And this seems to be a major problem with Queen. They don't know when to end a song. They frequently succumb to excess in effects, and they tend to supply their songs with instrumental breaks that have little to do with anything. Quote. Unquote. So I want to talk about this a little bit because I find it interesting that they actually criticize very heavily the breakdowns that I love so much. I feel like, sonically, this song takes you to the edges of the emotional spectrum that the writer was feeling at the time. The highs and lows, the starts and stops, you know, the stop and go, the, the hot and colds that go along with relationships. That's what I feel like this song encompasses. And that's just my opinion. But clearly Washington Post, whoever wrote that, is thinking, okay, this is not succinct. This drags on, this drums on. I think the guys do fantastic when they expand their tracks like this because they understand how to transition, how to, as they they wrote, go into some excessive territory. And let's just be honest, Queen, especially beginning in this time period, were all about excessiveness. I mean, that word, I can't tell you how many times I've read it in interviews, in recaps about the guys, the parties. There was a lot of excess (laughs) happening in a lot of respects. And I I don't think it did them any kind of disservice. I'm just saying. I'm extremely biased because I love Queen. But anyway, I just find it interesting that Washington Post went into this so heavily that how dare Queen not just end this song. I think this song is brilliant because of the way it moves and shifts through this journey of these relationships. Now, I have to wonder, given Rolling Stone's comment about side two of news being accented with sexual failures, hers, you remember that? If they were referring to this Clearly, this song isn't about the ladies, but the focus is on the narrator and his failures, his doubts, his shortcomings. There's even emphasis on how sweet and on how her love is, quote, unquote, the sweetest love around. I, I don't feel like this song goes after the, the women. No. I don't even think Get Down, Make Love does. I've always found that comment from Rolling Stone to be really strange because to me, it's it's not overtly obvious that this is attacking ladies and their sexual failures or relationship failures or shortcomings or whatever. This song in particular though, it just feels like the narrator is kind of dwelling on his own thoughts and feelings more than anything else. And he's struggling with what is happening and what is transpiring in these relationships, this relationship, whatever. That's what I get from it's late. But you know, I'm not a publication and I'm not a publication who has been kind of against Queen from the start. And yes, I'm alluding to Rolling Stone. I'm not even alluding to them. I'm calling them out on that. They did that so often. Anyway, that is my how dare they attack. But here, of course, we have praise for It's Late. Mick Wall of Louder Sound just recently wrote a lengthy article about News of the World and about this song. Quote, at more than six minutes long, this, It's Late, was his, Brian's, idea, he explained, for a song conceived and performed as a three-act theatrical play, to the point where the verses are called acts on the accompanying lyric sheet. But this was no prog extravaganza a la The Black and White Sides of Queen 2. The guitars on its late are low-slung one moment, high-stepping the next, showing off the same tapping technique that Eddie Van Halen would make such a virtue of when his band's debut, Van Halen, was released months later, unquote. That's a wonderful summary of this song, the energy, the back and forth, the contrast we have throughout this number all on its own. And oh, the fans, fans love this. Me included, yes. It's called out as one of their best, along with other long epics like Liar or The March of the Black Queen. Honestly, it's probably my favorite from News of the World. Okay, maybe alongside Fight from the Inside. I, I, those two songs duke it out. I love Fight From The Inside, which is Rogers, and I love It's Late, which is, of course, Brian's. What did I say? That some of my very favorites from Queen are Brian's. Case in point, It's Late. I really do love this song. It's great. So yeah, while, while we do have people who kind of go, eh, I'm not sure about the lyrics, I think generally speaking, the Queen fandom digs this number, really digs it. Yours truly included. I'm going to take a sip of coffee again. This is fun. Back to back dives. This is great. All right, let's keep going because we got more to talk about. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. We are going to get into the specifics, the details of it's late. This is going to be intense. Hold on. Soft, delicate, balanced guitars on the left to the right. Then it starts that riff, so bluesy. <makes noise> Ooh, bluesy. And Freddie, you say you love me, and I hardly know your name. Sang it, boy. His aggression is a force. I love that the instruments here are still fairly quiet, and Freddie's just busting out the gate. Fantastic. Centered in between those luscious guitar licks. There he is. This starts so unassuming. Even with Freddie's vocal brightness, it's simple. I could love you if I could let you stay. And on that note of stay, literally crash, crash, crash on the tonic, drums, cymbals, guitar, bass. Gang's all here slate into the chorus. Ah, it's been a while since we heard lovely layered vocals from all the boys and syncopated on the offbeat, no less, reels us in. Freddie chimes in against those choral vocals and all around the harshness, the growling guitars, all grit, dirt, bass pounding, harsh, but nothing but ordinary in its Wait, the drums crash and burn in their loudness like something wound up that finally exploded. Ah, the chorus is such a treat. One of the best things on News of the World right here. The second verse is that much more attitude and angst. The way you love me is the sweetest love around. Ah. And then the conclusion of this phrase, but after all this time, the more I'm trying, the more I seem to let you down. Why do I love singing this so much? John's bass. It echoes Brian's familiar guitar riff, but there are some surprising higher notes accented that stand out. These transitions are absolutely flawless from chord to chord and back again. You made me love you, don't tell me that we're through. Chorus, please, it's late, but it's driving me so mad. The boys sing it out. Freddie is higher in full chest voice than he's been in a while, and he's growling and rough and riled up, and it's glorious. Instrumentally, we're louder than the first chorus, and it's awakening and unapologetically raucous. A few more cymbals, guitar riffs for more clipping and intention. But halfway, here we are. I've been so long. You've been so long. We've been so long trying to work it out. This bridge, ah, it's pretty simple in its chords, but dang it if it isn't hitting all the right notes. Unrelenting, in your face, shades of that chorus from Get Down, Make Love the drums, gosh, they sound hot. Brian and John bounce around each other with those riffs and Freddie screams out as only he can. Then that climax, we got to know what this life is all about. I can hear Roger in there, that beautiful falsetto of his. Here we go. Brian Blue's guitar, that tapping technique in full swing. This sounds like a perfectly haphazard solo with bent notes, accidentals, and a not so delicate but perfect key change with heavier sounds all around. And we roll into a double-timed pace that burns us up. I love this. Those chromatic notes of backing chords on the guitar. John blasting out those consistent tonics and notes that will never quit. Brian is on fire. This is crazy. The number of licks and memorable moments. This is one of those times we can't sing a Brian solo. And it's awesome. That's a rarity from Brian. And Freddie, darling, improvising the best in-your-face phrases, please, screams. I got to talk about the drums. Jeesh, fast. That's all I could say. But it's the cymbals that really do it for me. And that scream from Freddie and that roll from Raj. Man, we're in the last verse all of a sudden. You're staring at me with suspicion in your eye. Mm, the attitude, nothing hugely different from the previous first, but the volume might be louder. The last chorus sees more intensity from everybody more backing vocals, more complexity in John's bass lines, more symbols again, more Brian, more Freddie, more is more. Another false ending. It's all too late. Roll, 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 roll. (laughs) We're back in the breakdown again. Criticize these too many endings all you want. I love this. Synchronized guitar and bass, a few licks thrown in on either side, Freddie screaming too many Roger rolls on the toms and snares to count, bottom triplets, in case you're wondering, and massive cymbal flourish and a crash and a resolution of chords. And this suddenly feels like Roger wrapping up a solo, but it's best that way. We love drums, or at least I do. This is such a great song. I I mean, the guys sound phenomenal here. Every single one of them absolutely brings their A game and they all jump out at various moments. You get the bass, you get the guitar, you get Freddie, you get Roger. It, It just... Every single element of what makes them great is right here in It's Late. I really believe that. If there's a song you want to listen to that emphasizes their focus on attention to detail, perfectionism, dynamics, great production, great performances, lyrical and completely unsingable guitar solos, a vocal delivery from Freddie that is all grit and sass and blues and attitude, it's all right here. Bonus, we finally get... Roger and Brian and Freddie giving us backing vocals again. I love this. I love It's Late. It's Late, but I'm bleeding deep inside. <sighs> you guys, this is fantastic. Go listen to It's Late. Go check out a live performance or two. Go listen to the alternative version with the piano in it. I'm telling you, it's so little Richard. Freddie on that piano. It's so weird to hear piano in that version because it's not on the album. But a nice, refreshing change of pace. It's late. You guys, I am done. Two Queen deep dives under the belt. We've got one more to go before we close out News of the World. And it's, again, a radical shift away from everything else we've heard on the album thus far. All right, guys. I am done. I'm done talking. That is it. Keep yourselves alive. I'm so excited. It's been 100 episodes, and we're just going to keep on rocking and rolling. Have a great day, a great evening, a great night. I'll be back again. Coffee in hand, probably. Beanbox. Beatbox? That's a cute play on words. I just noticed that. Beanbox. Okay, guys. Before I say anything else. (laughs) Bye.